upon us today, Lord. Change our lives. Take us higher in you in every life present in this place, in every life that is watching us over the internet. Lord, do that which eyes have not seen, that which ears have not heard, that which has not even begun to enter into the heart of man. And let the name of Jesus and Jesus alone be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you, Lord. Honor and glory be given to you. Jesus' unfailing name, we are prayed. Amen. You may be seated. My grandmother would sing that song, and she would say, Oh, Lord, go, man, She gets very emotional when she sings it. She says, Oh, oh, Lord, oh, better, love. Amen. Neutralizing the enemy. This is season two, part one. Of spiritual warfare. Last year we did season one and we looked at the supernatural um, and introduction to supernatural. We are going to go into um, season two, if you will, and this is part one. If you are joining us for the first time, you, are, you have come at a very, very important time. And um, the, the subtitle um, for this um, season, this season, second season, is neutralizing the enemy. I'm praying that the enemy will be totally neutralized in your life in the name of Jesus. That everything he can deploy will not work concerning you in Jesus' name. Our text is taken from Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I read verses 14 and 15. In fact, I want to encourage you to read the whole of Genesis chapter 3 because therein, as we learned last week, um, um, began the um, issue of spiritual warfare. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 14. It says, Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Now, before this, the serpent had caused Eve to eat the apple and, you know, and sorry, the fruit. <laughs> and, you know, Eve had, you know, seen and had given Adam and Adam has also um, quaffed the, 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 the fruit and, you know, quaff means to eat with relish as, as, as eating the fruit and, you know, the whole of mankind, you know, had, had been plunged into darkness, what will eventually become real darkness. And, and God showed up on the scene and, and verse 14. And, and God says to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility. Everybody say hostility. 
I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and our offspring. He, the son of man, the son of the woman, will strike your head and you will strike his heels. And that opened the door for direct conflict with Satan. Direct hostility between the human race and spiritual forces headed by Satan. And this prophetic word by the Lord God actually came into fruition when Jesus came and died and bruised the head of the serpent. So the serpent's head is bruised. So technically, technically, the enemy has been neutralized. Praise the Lord. Technically, the enemy has been neutralized. So how come our experience of God sometimes does not match up with God's expectation for us. How come what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary sometimes does not translate to reality in our lives? How come, even though the enemy has been neutralized, the enemy is still in full force And unfortunately, in a lot of Christians' lives, the enemy still has dominion. So we have Christians saying, oh, they've had, the most primitive one that we we can relate to in our culture, is they have a dream, they say masquerade, chasing them and flogging them, or someone is always pressing them down, or they're just losing spiritual battles. How come that is possible when the enemy has been neutralized? Today, God is going to release to you what will make the enemy have no power over you ever again in Jesus' name. It's an aspect of spiritual warfare that is hardly preached. In fact, I've never heard it preached in my how many years of being a Christian? Close to 20 years. I've never heard it preached. Oh, I've, I've, I've heard it in conversations when I'm when I was talking to my spiritual father at the time, he would talk about these things, but I've never heard him preach it. And it would make me go back and research and, and check. And again, many of us are going to go, okay. Because it's not something, it's not that we have never heard it before. But it's okay, that is why I see. Then you have victory <laughs> when you see. Because Satan rules, is the Bible says, is the ruler of darkness. Darkness, the root word in the scriptures, when the scriptures talk about darkness, is ignorance. It's just ignorance. So my people perish, are destroyed because of what? Ignorance, they lack knowledge. So once light comes, light is knowledge. Once you have illumination, bang, I see, 
victory. Victory. Now, the story usually, for you to understand it, I take you back to the Godhead. The Godhead is a trinity. The Godhead is a what? Is a trinity. It's a trinity. So you, you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the... God in three persons, blessed, what? Trinity. So God is a trinity. And to understand God, you must understand and relate with each member of the trinity. You must understand that even though it's one God, there are three persons, three personalities. So you must, as a believer, I mean, and this is NCR stuff, you must know how to relate with the Father, you must know how to relate with the Lord Jesus, and you must know how to relate with the person of the Holy Spirit if you want to be successful as a believer. You must know how to relate with the Holy Spirit. You must know how the Holy Spirit talks and, and, and moves. For instance, early this morning, the Holy Spirit was telling me something which we will do at the end of this teaching, which hopefully and it will change a lot of people's lives. The Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. So you must understand that, for instance, we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. If, it is not, if prayer is not to the Father, in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, is not prayer. If it's to the Father in the name of Jesus, in your own flesh, you will struggle. You won't go anywhere. It will be like the prayer is bouncing off the roof and coming back down. So the three components must be present. In, to the Father, in the name of Jesus, in the power of who? The Holy Spirit. So we need to understand that the Godhead is a trinity. Now, the next thing you need to understand is the enemy of your God is your enemy. The enemy of your God is what? Is your enemy. In fact, it's strange that, or rather, wouldn't you find it strange if you are married to someone, then you have a colleague at work that has vowed to destroy you and destroy your career. And that is who your husband decides to be his best friend. Or who your wife decides to be her best friend. Isn't that a strange association? Praise the name of the Lord. So, the moment you become a child of God, you inherit his enemies. Part of your inheritance is his enemies. Yes, you have inherited eternal life and all that. You've also inherited his enemies. So Satan hates you because he hates God. You know, some Christians think, oh, if pastor, spiritual warfare, please, can we leave spiritual warfare alone? Because let's leave Satan alone so that he will leave us alone. That is a big lie. Even if you leave Satan alone, he will leave you alone. <laughs> because we are not unmindful of the devices of the enemy. He wants you to be ignorant of his devices. Because it, it works in darkness, in ignorance. 
So whether you hate it or not, the battle line is drawn for you as a child of God. The attacks you will face mostly will be because you remind the enemy of your father, God. Simple. So you better get ready. Says you'll never get ready. If, if, this is, if God is a Godhead, and I've inherited his enemies. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, to fully understand the enemy and how it works. You need to understand the enemy of the Father, the enemy of the Son, and the enemy of the Holy Spirit. Let's start with the Holy Spirit. The enemy of the Holy Spirit. What is the enemy of the Holy Spirit? The enemy of the Holy Spirit is the flesh. The enemy of the Holy Spirit is not Satan. It's your flesh. It's the sinful nature in man. That's the enemy of the Holy Spirit. The enemy of the Holy Spirit. Look, if your work with the Holy Spirit is going to be prosperous or it's going to be hindered, it will be a direct result of your flesh. If the Holy Spirit is going, to, is going to have free sway in your life and you are going to be so anointed, it's going to be because of your flesh. If it's going to stay away from you, I just manage you. It is going to be because of your flesh. It will not be because of the devil. It will be because of your flesh. If it prompts you, go in this direction. Your flesh says no and you obey your flesh. You distance yourself with God, from God. I will say the flesh. Galatians 5 from verse 16. Galatians 5 from verse 16. The word of God says, So I say, let this Holy Spirit do what? Guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do what? Evil. Which is just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are what? Opposite. The opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly what? Fighting each other. Constantly fighting. So, to know what the Holy Spirit says. Sometimes, you say you can't hear the Holy Ghost. It's simple. Just, you can hear your flesh, right? Loud and clear. Go in the opposite direction. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying. Holy Ghost, should I, should I allow this man? I'm going to get married to him. Should he be caressing my breast? What does your flesh want? Then go in the other direction. That's the Holy Ghost right there. Right there in the other direction. Well, some people don't want to clap, you know, because they're like, oh man, now I've discovered the voice of the Holy Spirit. I can't hide. Yes, you can't hide. If you can't hear the Holy Ghost, you can hear your flesh. The flesh is a constant battle with the Spirit. If you are going to be spiritual, if you are going to hear God and be accurate, you must overcome your flesh. You must overcome your flesh, and I'll tell you how. That's, that's the first phase of the enemy. So, the enemy of the Holy Spirit is what? Is it the devil? Is the flesh. Is the flesh. Number two, 
So that's the enemy of, 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 the, of the Holy Spirit. So what's the enemy of the Son? The enemy of the Lord Jesus. What's the enemy of the Son? The enemy of the... So you have Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The enemy of the Son is Satan. Direct enemy of Jesus, Satan. Of course, we see that in Genesis chapter 3 that we read, verse 15. It says, your seed, the seed of the woman, Jesus is called the Son of Man, is going to be at, const, at, at variance with you. John, 1 John 3, 8, 1 John 3, 8, the word of God says in 1 John 3, 8, that the one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to what? Destroy. You only destroy your enemy's property or the works of your enemy. It's to destroy the works of the devil. And, and that we can really understand. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. So the enemy of the flesh is what? Sorry, the enemy of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, is what? The flesh. The enemy of the Son is what? Is Satan. So what's the enemy of the Father? What's the enemy of the Father? Now, get this clearly. The enemy of the Father is the love of the world. The enemy of the Father is the what? The love of the world. It's the love of the world. That's what it means. James chapter 4 from verse 4. It says, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means what? Enmity against God. That's talking about the Father. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes automatically an enemy of God. You see, many of us don't want to set out to be an enemy of God. Now, if you ask the average human being, at least the average Nigerian, do you want to be an enemy of God? The answer will be what? No. I don't see anyone in his right senses that wakes up and wants to be an enemy of God except the person is possessed. So the average person at least wants to be on, the good, on good terms with God. But God is saying in his word that friendship with the world automatically puts you in the camp of the enemies of God. And that is so profound. And that's why a lot of people miss it. They think it's because, it's not because oh, I, I come to church, I sing, I sing, I sing. But on Mondays, I, I am caressing the world. God is saying, you are making yourself what? The enemy of the Father, of God. Amazing. So, very quickly, I would, since I've mentioned the enemy, and we are neutralizing the enemy, I'm going to um, mention the solution to each of these enemies. And we're going to zoom in on, 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 on the Father. So, what is the solution to the flesh? What guarantees victory over the flesh? 
What guarantees victory over the flesh? Since the enemy of the Holy Spirit is the flesh, and you must be spiritual, praise the name of the Lord. And you must be spiritual people, so you must overcome the flesh. So what guarantees victory over the flesh? The answer is the cross. The cross. Everybody say the cross. The cross of Calvary. The cross. I'm going to explain that. Oh, the cross. What does that mean? Oh, what does the cross mean? Simple. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Galatians 5, 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have what? Nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to what? To his cross and are crucified and crucified them there. So, if those who belong to Jesus have carried the desire of their flesh, they, are not, they don't play with the desire of their flesh. The Bible says don't look at the wine when it is red and bubbly. They don't toy with the desires of their flesh. They recognize the desires of their flesh, and they put it on the, on the cross of Calvary. They, they, they crucify it on the cross of Calvary. Like someone beautifully puts it, the cross simply is the place where your will crosses with the will of the Holy Spirit. The cross is where your will crosses with the will of the Holy Spirit. I would rather run my life like this and the Holy Spirit would have you run it like this. You have a cross situation right there. Jesus at Gethsemane was battling with the cross. But he says, Father, if it were possible that this cross should pass over me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That is the cross. That's, 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 that's where the, the flesh is crucified. You want more on that? Go to NCR. What guarantees victory over Satan? So what guarantees victory over the, over, the, over the flesh? Come on. What guarantees victory over the flesh? The cross. The cross. What guarantees victory over Satan? What guarantees victory over Satan? The enemy of the son. What guarantees victory over Satan? Three sniper shots guarantees victory over Satan. Number one, the word of God. Number two, the blood of Jesus Christ. And number three, not fearing death. What guarantees victory over Satan? If Satan is tormenting your family history, you will gain victory over him today in Jesus' name. To guarantee victory, you need the word of God. You need the blood of Jesus. And you need not to fear death. If there's a single outer fear of death in you, the enemy will prevail. You must be fearless. Death means nothing. To live is Christ. And to die is gain. For the believer... The enemy uses fear to cripple people totally. 
So, of course, you can see all that in Revelation 12, 11, Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Matthew 4, 1 to 11 was where Jesus used the word of God to neutralize the enemy. Every time Jesus would say, it is written, the enemy will strike. Jesus will say, it is written. It is written, the word of God. Revelation 12, 11, we read it a lot. It says, they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of what? Of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, which is the word of God in their mouth. And number three, and they love not their lives unto, unto death. That is what gives power to the word that you speak. The word that is spoken, the word of God that is spoken without an altar of fear. You are able to confront Satan, not afraid to die. And guess what? The Bible says, when you resist the enemy, it will what? It will flee from you. Praise the name of the Lord. So, what guarantees victory over the flesh is what? Is the cross. What guarantees victory over Satan is what? The word of God, the blood of Jesus Christ, and not fearing death. A lot of people are too self, uh, they, they, too self-preservatory. I hope that's correct. They, they preserve, they like to preserve themselves. If he that saves his life will lose it. Do you know why Islamic militancy appears to be gaining a lot of ground. Because the enemy copies the truth and perverses it. Why it is so strong and terrorizing everybody so far on earth is simple. They are not afraid to die. The moment you have a leader that is not afraid to die for God, it will subdue terrorism. As simple as that. In fact, what gave power to the church, the early church, why it was able to go so fast and take territories for God is because they were not afraid to die for the gospel. Now we have people that when the AC is not working in church, they are, what's this now? Can't these people just do fix AC? <laughs> I, just, I just want to say that you need to grow <laughs> You need to grow up. So, the enemy of the Father is what? The world. So, what guarantees victory over the... Sorry, is the love of the world. So, what guarantees victory over the love of the world? Simple. Love for the Father. Love for the Father. It's one or the other. Is one or the other. When you love the Father, you drift away from the world. When you love the world, you drift away from the Father. But unfortunately, the world, the church, has focused mainly on only one of the three enemies. Guess the enemy the, the, the church focuses on the most? Satan. So that's why you have a lot of programs. Oh, the blood of the Lamb. Oh, we attack you in the name of Jesus. Fall down and die. Fall down and die. You know, you have all sorts 
of things. Satan, artillery attack, receive the fire. Pwah! People pray like that. You know, I'm not saying it's wrong. It probably is prophetic, maybe. I don't know. I'm just saying it has consumed our focus so much. And Satan is happy. Why? Because he can walk through enemy number one and number three and cause havoc. So you have people that are going to war against Satan and Satan is using the world to destroy them. He's using their flesh to destroy them. And it's like going to battle naked. Praise the Lord. So, so the major, like I said, the major problem is believers, we, 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 are, we have a tunnel vision, if you will. We, we just... Satan is the enemy, he's just one. He walks through two other phases. And to neutralize him, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on number two. Because we have done a lot of work on number two for the past uh, decades. I'm going to spend some time on number three. Why? Because number three actually encompasses number one, the flesh, and number two. Which is the love of the world. Which is the enemy of the father. If you sort out the enemy of the father, you will have sorted out the enemy of the flesh and the enemy of the son will have no power over you. Do you get that? Praise the name of the Lord. No power over you. None at all. So, Christians should not be afraid. I'm back to this. Christian not being afraid to die again. Maybe I should just exhaust my, you know, the thoughts so I can move on. <laughs> should not be afraid to die. Of course, God has promised us long life. And I pray you have long life. However, don't be afraid to die. Be afraid of God alone. When the enemy knows that you fear nothing but God, you have the name of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb and you have the word of God, he will back down. He will back down. And a test is upon us. It's challenging, but there's a good side to it. And that is the Islamic militancy. It's a test that is upon us as a people. Very soon, we will know those who are really Christians. Very soon. You know the story that they used to be told about the, the um, Chinese underground church? You know, I'm sure you've heard it several times. I've heard it several times. I've even told it several times. Of how some soldiers, you know, in China back in the days, I don't know if it still happens now, the government authorizes its soldiers to kill anyone that is worshiping Jesus. So they go to churches and they just kill everybody. So these soldiers, band of soldiers, came into the church and they announced that they, they want to kill, they've locked all the doors, they want to kill all the Christians in the church. And they said to them, if they just invited you, 
you really you are not a Christian. Leave now. Because there's only Christians who want to kill. <laughs> and the church was 90% empty. <laughs> Folks were like, ah, oh more. <laughs> God will make our way. <laughs> there seems to be no way. And they denied Jesus. Even though Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will what? I will deny you before my father, where it matters most. And the soldiers, when those fake Christians had gone, the soldiers dropped their guns and said to the remaining people that they were Christians. They just wanted to worship with real Christians. They didn't want to worship with fake, with fake people. And they worshipped God and it was powerful and they left. We hear that story and we laugh. And we say, what's even wrong with those Chinese Christians, right? Boko Haram is upon us. But we will prevail. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. Listen. A time is coming and it's here already. Where to be a Christian will not be popular anymore. In fact, when to be a Christian will be a target. You'll be a target for destruction. But will you still be a Christian? Should I stop? <laughs> There's too much hypocrisy, really. So we have people at the slightest convenience, they are ready to abandon. You see, Jesus, God says, don't forsake the assembly together of brethren. It's an instruction. God did not say don't forsake the assembly of brethren when things are good. You know, today, there are some people who are not in church today because of Ebola. They are afraid of Ebola. What if they put a gun on their head? I know everywhere is quiet now. It's not popular, what I'm saying. It's not very popular. Not very popular. But it's the word of God. God says gather. Ebola says don't. Now, someone says, oh, pastor, are we, are we not supposed to be wise? Listen, as, which is why we will... The, our environment will be clean. We will, have you noticed I've not said, let's hold hands and pray? Pray for your neighbor. I've, I've, not, I've, I've stopped saying that. Why? Because we, will, we, will be, we do rational things to do. But we will not cave in to fear. So, Pastor, are you saying we should be foolish? No, I'm saying you should stand for God. And therein lies your victory. Do I get an Amen. Amen. You see, you can clap alone. That is where your first test is. You are clapping, clap alone. That's fine. Don't be afraid. <laughs> so, Pastor, why is this so important? It is, it is important because you can't overcome the enemy you are abhorring as a mole and you are feeding. You can't overcome the enemy that you are harboring. You know what a mole is? And you are feeding. You can't. My grandmother used to say, I will interpret it. She's illiterate, so she speaks only Yoruba, so I will interpret it. She used to say, Tiku leobakpani. Today You know what? If the enemy within does not destroy you, the enemy without cannot. To neutralize the enemy, you must 
make sure that there's nothing in you that the enemy feeds on and thrives on. One of our greatest challenges, and back to this Boko Haram issue, as a nation, why we, 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 we've not been able to deal with Boko Haram is because among the military, we have moles. In the government, we have moles. Until the moles are brutally dealt with. We may not be able to go anywhere. We may not be able to go anywhere. It's, 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 and back to, to the personal life. It, 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 it's so important. Jesus saying in, in John chapter 14 verse 30. Jesus in John 14 30. He says, hereafter I will not talk much with you. For the prince of this world comment and what? And ask nothing in me. That's the greatest power to neutralize the enemy. The, the prince, Jesus is saying, the prince of this world is coming. The enemy is coming to attack me. But guess what? He has nothing in me. I'm praying in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you will be able to stand and say, the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. I'm sure if I'd said, before this week runs out, you are going to get a private jet. The amen is going to be louder than that. So I'm going to say it again. I am praying in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you will be able to say, the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. Amen. Amen. That lies the real victory, my people. Therein lies the real victory. The, the NLT translation puts it this way. It says, I don't have much time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has what? No power over me. I have not taken anything of his. I have not beaten any bait that is put before me. He has no power over me. The ASV translation puts it this way. He has no claim on me. There are things in a lot of people's lives that is giving the enemy claims in their lives. Those things, you have to expunge them in the name of Jesus. He has no claim. He cannot point to anything in me and say, that belongs to me. That belongs to me. There's nothing. There's nothing in my life that belongs to Satan. Nothing. Nothing. The, the NIV um, translation says that he has no hold over me. No hold over me. The prince of this world comes and he has no hold over me. I'm praying again for you that in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that the enemy will have no claim in your life. Yeah. That he will have no hold over you. Yeah. In the mighty name of Jesus. 
you know, there's, there's a story in, I think, Acts 19, the sons of Sceva. They went and they said, we command, we're talking to demons, we command you to come out in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that Paul preaches. And the demons looked at the, them and said, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. But who are you? And the Bible says that the enemy pounced on them, physically tore them and their clothes and beat them black and blue and they ran out naked. May that not be your story in Jesus' name. I've shared it before. Severally. If the enemy says, Paul we know, Jesus we know, who are you? You should say to the enemy, today you will add me to your list. Today. That database has not been updated. So let me show you some samples so that you can update your database. <laughs> that is what it means when the prince of this world comes. He, he, he sniffs you, but he can't find nothing. I've, I've, I've shared before, I've been, I've, I mean, you know, I have pastor friends that when they invite me, I get a couple of invitations, by the way, which, you know, I don't feel late to, to honor, not because, I mean, of anything. Because the part of my life that they knew me, so whenever they have deliverance programs in their churches, they want to cast out devils. They, they will not invite me. <laughs> I laugh, you know, because that's the, that's the me they used to know. They're part of me. There was a time in my life that that was all I was doing. I was always looking for, for, for trouble. Anywhere I hear a demon, where is it? <laughs> God has refocused me. I, still, that's part in me, though. I've been in a, a couple of, I mean, it's this particular one I've said it before. Deliverance session. We were in prayer, we were in church. And somebody manifested. Da, 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 da. Worship was intense. And they took the guy out. And the pastor beckoned on me to, um, after a while, to, to attend to, to the matter. So I wasn't a pastor. I was just, I mean, another guy. I've seen another guy sitting down. Worshipping Jesus. And, and I got there. The, the demon was speaking in Queen's English. She was speaking, he was speaking for the original one. Have you heard original Queen's English? You know, like I said, it's not the fake ones that has been touted about. People go to the UK for three weeks, they come back with a, a fresh tongue. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, the demon was ag ag aggressive, ag physically aggressive. They, could, they were holding him, trying to, you know, was pushing everybody. They couldn't contain the guy. I got to the, to the place, and, you know, I heard, he was telling the head of prayer at the time, it was a woman, and he said to the woman, you're a witch, sit down. And the woman was afraid, and she sat down. I don't know if she's a witch, but she sat down. She was afraid. <laughs> and he looked at my friend, Pastor Wale now, he's not a pastor in Finland. And he looked at him and said, you didn't pray yesterday night. You know, and Wale too, he knew he didn't pray yesterday night. <laughs> he backed down. Now, the point is this. For me, 
I really don't care whether I prayed yesterday night or not. One thing I know, at the name of Jesus, every knee bows. Of things in heaven, of things on the earth, of things beneath the earth. He said, I don't pray yesterday. So what? Is that the blood that saved me? And I looked at the demon-possessed guy, eyeball to eyeball. And he looked away. The demon looked away. I said, yes, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> he looked away. And of course, I've shared it before. And I said to them, because I didn't want to, there was service going on. I mean, I hate missing service. So I said to, to the demon-possessed guy, meanwhile, I've been harassing all of them before, before we got in. I said to the demon-possessed guy, I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you are not allowed to pass this line. I draw a bloodline now. And I turned my back and I left the room. Now, my guys were on this side of the room. The demon-possessed guy was on that side of the room. They told me later themselves that demon-possessed guys we charge up. We get very angry. And we come at them and get to the line and stop. Now, so my friend, it's, it's, like I said, he's been here before he was at my spotted bed. He came, I mean, accidentally was in town. Said to me later on, Fabo, what do you do there now? Show me this thing where you put that for the ground. <laughs> you know, the, the problem with us is that we are always looking for formulas. We are always looking for talisman. We should embrace the truth of the word of God. And you see how powerful you are. And how you can easily neutralize the enemy. Praise the name of the Lord. James 4. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? Therefore, anyone that chooses to be a friend of the world becomes, that chooses to be a friend of the world, becomes an enemy of God. So, quickly, what is the world? Uh, if you're writing, you need to write very fast now. What is the world? Simple. You know, the word of God says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not what? Perish, but have what? So God so loved the world. And God is saying to us, love not the world. If you love the world, you become an enemy of God. So what is God saying? When you see the word world in the Bible, it means the system of the world and, and the people in the world. God so loved the people in the world that he died for them. But he's saying to you and I, don't love the system of the world. Don't love it. So, the second question. So, what does the world have to offer why is 
their propensity of loving the world. First John 2.15. First John 2.15. The word of God says in First John 2.15, don't love the world. I'm reading 15 to 17. This world, nor the things, everybody say the things, it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of who? The Father in you. For the world offers only three things. A craving for physical pleasure. Let me say craving for physical pleasure. Now, you know that that encompasses enemy of the of the Holy Spirit. The flesh. The craving of physical pleasure, don't love it. The cravings of the things you can see, don't love it. And the pride of our achievements and possessions. Wow. Since these are not from the Father. These are the things the enemy uses to plant moles in you. These are the baits he gives you to eat so that you are neutralized. They are from the world. He says, and this world is fading away. And along with everything that people crave. But anyone, everybody say anyone, who does what pleases God will, will what? Will live forever. Wow. Wow. So what does the world have so far? Three things. The craving of, for physical pleasure. Otherwise known as the lust of the flesh. Ever said the lust of the flesh? Number two, the craving for the things we see. Ever said the lust of the eyes? Number three, the pride of achievement and possessions. Ever said the pride of life? A lot of people have lost their souls because of these three things. The lust of the flesh, cravings for physical pleasure. You want physical pleasure so much. The lust of the eyes, the cravings for what we see. The pride of life, you want to be respected in the society. You want to, to, to BSc, MSc, PhD, NMA, GFH. <laughs> this is why I come to GFH. I want to add GFH to my honor. You see, is there something wrong with PhD? Is there something wrong with Of course not. You know that's not what I'm saying. And you're going to see that. But it is in the pride of life. The, the, the chip on your shoulder, based on those things, can destroy you. But it will not destroy you in Jesus' name. Amen. Say amen. amen. So, the lust of the eyes. Everybody say lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. Everybody say lust of the flesh. Pride of life. Everybody say pride of life. Now let's come back to Genesis chapter 3. That we read. Genesis chapter 3. We read it earlier on. But let's back up to verse 6. 
The Bible says the woman was convinced when she saw the when when the enemy sold the, the fruit to, to her from verse six from verse six Genesis three from verse six it says the woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruits looked what delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. She looked, she took some of the fruit and ate. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he also ate. So, you see, immediately, she saw, she saw, she saw that the fruit was beautiful. What's that? Lost of the eyes. Lost of the eyes. Delicious. What's that? Lost of the flesh. Delicious. Mm. And she desired the wisdom that it would give her. What's that? Pride of life. It's the same thing. So the enemy went after Eve and Adam, humanity, with the same thing, with the world. The same thing. The same thing. So, Satan did not offer Eve the fruit. Satan offered Eve the world. You know, because if you look at it, Sometimes I get upset that this Adam and Eve, they just sold us shorts because of one fruit. But I realized that it was deeper than that. Satan was not selling the fruit to Eve. Satan was selling what? The world. Because he knows as soon as she eats the world, the fruit, there will be something of his that will be deposited in her. As a mole. So she cannot say like Jesus would say. The prince of this world comes and asks nothing in me. There would have been something in her. He offered Eve the fruit, the world. And you know, theologians over the world have been arguing that, oh, it, it, it's an apple fruit. Some say, in fact, the top brainwashed us, we think it's an apple fruit, right? Some say it's a mango fruit. Some argue that, you know, how can anybody fall for a mango fruit? It must be a banana. Some say, no, how can any, a banana is not sweet. How can it be banana? It must be pineapple. But you see, the Bible deliberately didn't tell us the fruit. You know Why? Because your fruit is different from my fruit. Your fruit is different from my fruit. I may not like banana. And the devil knows I don't. So will he bring banana to me? He knows you don't like papa, but you know you cannot stand the mango. So what will he bring to you? Mango. 
It, it is not about the mango. It knows that there's something that you crave that is of the world. And it knows it will put you in enmity with God. And it dangles it in front of you and says, look, can't you see that God does not really mean any time you begin to reason that does God really mean that I cannot? The devil may be on your case. You need to stop. And nobody's immune from this. Pastors are not immune. Everybody, we, 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 we are men of like passions. But you need to understand how the enemy works. Wow, you will notice that there's nothing wrong with beautiful. Is there anything wrong with beautiful? No, there's nothing wrong with delicious. There's nothing wrong with wisdom. God says, ask God for wisdom. God says that in the sex series we saw how we are, God is big on our enjoyment. So there's nothing wrong with it being beautiful or want to be beautiful or whatever. Or be delicious. The problem is when you love the gift at the expense of the giver and not, you see, a lot of us say, oh, I don't love this at the expense of the giver, but Guess what? It has become an idol because if you don't have it, you feel less of the worth that God has made you. If there's something that if you don't have, you don't feel that you are who God says you are, that thing is a problem. Praise the name of the Lord. And when we get to Matthew 4, the story of Jesus that we mentioned, As I close, from verse 2, Matthew 4, verse 2, Matthew 4, from verse 2, I'm reading to 11. He says, for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and attacked him and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Pause. What is that? Lost of the flesh. Tell the stones to become bread. The same thing. The same strategy. The same thing. But Jesus told him what? No. The scripture says people don't live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil says, oh, me too, I can call scripture. And he took him to the holy city hill, Jerusalem, of Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and says, if you are the son of God, jump off, for the scripture says, since you want to go that way, Jesus, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up in their hands so you don't hurt your foot against the stone. He took him to the top of the mountain, and he says, if you are the son of God, prove you are the son of God. Jump up. What's that? Pride of life. Same thing. Pride of life. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, Satan, the devil, took him to the peak of very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of, of what? The world. That is where it was going. The world. And their glory. And we give it 
all to you. He said, if you will kneel down and worship me. He showed him. What was that? The lust of the eyes. Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him. For the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away neutralized. Neutralized. And angels came and took care of Jesus. Whenever you neutralize the devil, you have access to the supernatural. Access to angels. A lot of believers have lost their spiritual authority because of a fruit. So Satan attacks humanity by offering Eve the world. He also attacked Jesus by offering Jesus what? The world. How do you think he will attack you? Guess. I knew you were smart. So if you eat the fruit, you lose your soul. And he knows that. You lose your spiritual authority. But I'm praying that you will not lose your soul. And you will not lose your spiritual authority. A lot of Christians, pastors inclusive, have traded their authentic spiritual authority for the fruit. That's why you say to the demons to go and they are like, they are just eyeing you. Go, go. Go, Nick. So the question is, what fruit is dangling before you right now? What fruit is dangling before you right now? What fruit is dangling before you right now? You know, I I give you this story. I mean, I, I like to share my story because, you know, it shows you that we are men of like passions. We go through the same temptations. I've shared with you the story of how a gentleman gave us land as a church, right? And how he said to me, you know, this Jesus, is like you are crazy about Jesus. This is like that, but that's what he meant. I'm not saying you shouldn't preach Jesus, just softly, softly. <laughs> now, and of course, by God's grace, you know, we turned it down and he left the church and took his land. And I explained that last time I checked, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And today, by the grace of God, today, by the grace of God, we are on our land. (laughs) Because we did not eat the fruit. What the enemy is offering you God has a bigger plan already. He just wanted to change your destiny with a shortcut and destroy your soul. But what I didn't tell you in that story 
was that was not the only thing at stake. This man, every month, used to credit my account with half a million naira every month. Unsolicited, I didn't ask him for anything. He just asked for my account number some time ago. And I gave him, you know, my account number. Somebody asked for your account number. You know they cannot withdraw money from it. They can <laughs> They can only put money inside. Hey, that is not bad now. Is it bad? So I gave him my account number. And for a long time, I mean, every month, half a million. He used to give me half a million every month. Also, it doesn't fail. It didn't used to fail. This guy, anytime I travel, you know I travel a lot. And my family, we travel a lot. He sends business class tickets. We used to travel business class anywhere, anytime, with any frequency. This guy, just before then, came, showed me a car. I think it was Mercedes-Benz, the SUV. Says oh, he was getting that for me. Then came and said, I'm not saying you should deny Jesus. I'm saying, it's too much. But I remember my grandmother would say, On Christ the solid rock I stand, All other ground, Sinking sand, I want you to sing it in English, but I want to sing it in the language my grandmother used to sing. Christ your heart and to bow down your heads. I don't know what fruit is dangling before you today. I don't know what fruit is dangling before you today. Let me in your Let me On Christ the solid rock I stand. Oh, Christ, the solid rock I stand, all on the ground is sinking sand. All on the ground I want to pray for you. You are here this morning. You are not born again. Jesus is not the Lord of your life. You are filled with compromises. You, you, are, you are eating every fruit that is dangling before you. Jesus wants to set you free. He wants you to be, to, and to be able to say, the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. Nothing. I have no goods of the enemy. You are here. You are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I don't need you to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you. I want to get born. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be a member of the kingdom of God today. I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. Only you, wherever you are seated, you don't need to come forward. Put up your hand now over your head and I'll pray with you. God bless you. Now put up your hand, put up your hand well over your head. God bless you. Put up that hand well, well, well. Not on your head. Over, over your head. 
over your head. God bless you. Right there, right there. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. Keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. I'm going to pray with you now. That is, that's one category. The second category is, you are here, you are saved. <laughs> but you have been eating all sorts of fruits. I, I don't need you to, to lift up your hands or to stand up or anything. I want you to talk to God where you are seated. I want you to pour your heart to God. I want you to say to God, no more, Lord. No more compromises. No more. Today, I draw the line. Today, I, I, I reject every offer of the enemy because I am going to inherit all that you have for me. Talk to God yourself wherever you are seated. Category of people. I know time is, is fast spent, but early hours of this morning, God was talking to me and was like more like, Do you still believe I can do miracles? And I'm like, ah, ah, I'm sorry, sir. I never doubted that you can do miracles. But the question was not for me. The question is for someone here. You are faced with an impossible situation. God is saying to you, do you still believe I can do miracles? You're that person. Could you rise on your feet? I want to pray with you. I want to join my faith with yours. God bless you. I want to join my faith with yours. I want to join my faith with yours. I want you to lift up your hands to heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you are the miracle-walking God. You know, you know the story of this, your people. We ask that in every life standing before you today, that you break forth miraculously in the mighty name of Jesus and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' unfailing name, we are prayed. Amen.